we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Merry Christmas. A very warm welcome to St Bride's for this service on the feast of St John the Apostle and Evangelist. 
Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The saints were faithful unto death and now dwell in the heavenly kingdom forever. As we celebrate their joy, let us bring to the Lord our sins and weaknesses and ask for his mercy. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory. Glory be to God on high.
Merciful Lord, cast your bright beams of light upon the church, that being enlightened by the teaching of your blessed apostle and evangelist, St. John, we may so walk in the light of your truth that we may at last attain to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your incarnate Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from Exodus, chapter 33, beginning at the seventh verse. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose up, and every man stood at his tent door and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the door of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, every man at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we saw it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw following them the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had lain close to his breast at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. The saying spread abroad among the brethren that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that I love about the interior of our church here is the amazingly intricate carving on the beautiful oak fittings, screens and also the altar surround behind me here, which are remarkable feats of craftsmanship and real works of art. Next time you visit us here, do have a look at one particular feature that I completely missed until our former church architect pointed it out to me. When you enter the body of the church, on either side of the screen that separates the interior of the nave from the very back of the building, you will see four carved figures, two on either side. They depict four rather bizarre winged creatures, a lion, an angelic figure, an ox, and an eagle. Those of you who know your church symbolism will know that in Christian tradition, they designate the four evangelists or gospel writers, the lion representing St. Mark, the angelic figure, St. Matthew, the ox, St. Luke, and the eagle, St. John. And why these symbols in particular? In the opening chapter of the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, the prophet recounts a mystical vision of God, whose retinue included four living creatures, each having the face of, respectively, a lion, a man, an ox, and an eagle. And Christian tradition came to associate these four figures with the four Gospels, observing that each of these images could be said to embody a distinctive quality of the Gospel with which it is associated. 
St. Mark's Gospel is represented by a lion because there is something powerful and stark and awesome about Mark's Gospel, which makes absolutely no concessions to the reader. You can perhaps see why it came to be associated with the symbolism of the lion. St. Matthew, on the other hand, shows us Jesus, the teacher. His gospel is sometimes regarded as the gospel with a human face, hence its association with the angelic figure. It is in St. Matthew's gospel that we find, for example, the full version of what we now know as the Sermon on the Mount, a highly polished and brilliantly presented example of the teachings of Jesus. St. Luke's Gospel is associated with the symbol of the ox because the Jesus whom Luke presents to us is a Jesus who bears our burdens, a Jesus who is solidly on the side of the poor and the oppressed and the marginalised, rather like a beast of burden. And then, finally, we have the eagle symbolising St. John. It has long been recognised that whereas Matthew, Mark and Luke share a great deal in common, John's Gospel is rather different from them all in both feel and content. Most notably, John is far more explicit about the divine nature and divine origins of Christ from the very outset. Unlike Matthew and Luke, He does not bother telling us about the physical birth of Jesus. We find none of that stuff about shepherds and stables and wise men, because the sweep of John's gospel reaches back far beyond that event to the very dawn of time, to the origin of creation itself, which is why on Christmas night we hear those magnificent and haunting words with which John's gospel opens. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. St. John's Gospel soars like a mighty eagle above the story of Christ's incarnation, his ministry, his death and resurrection. And from the outset, John leaves us in absolutely no doubt about who and what Christ is, a Jesus a Christ whose divinity is clear from the very start. The Jesus whom John shows us is a Jesus who is all-knowing and in full control of his destiny, a Jesus who at the moment of his death does not utter a cry of despair and dereliction, as in Mark and Matthew, nor words of forgiveness and reconciliation, as in Luke, but rather words that confirm that the task he came to do is now complete. It is finished. Job done. When I was at secondary school, we had a very gentle and sweet but rather wet RE teacher whom we used to torment mercilessly because we were vile teenagers. And we quickly discovered that the most effective way of disrupting his classes was by asking him a barrage of questions, because he was so lovely that he would always try to answer them very seriously, rather than telling us to shut up 
and get on with our work. Sir, sir, my hamster has died. Can you raise it from the dead? But sir, why not, sir? Is it because you don't have enough faith, sir? Mr. Brunton, if you are still out there somewhere, I apologise. I apologise from the bottom of my heart. Anyway, on one particular occasion, I can remember this teacher being asked a question that made my ears prick up. Sir, if somebody who didn't know anything about Christianity wanted to know about God, what would you tell them to do? And I can remember him saying that he would probably tell them to go and read St. John's Gospel. And interestingly enough, his words stayed with me. And a number of years later, when I myself wanted to know more about the Christian faith, I did as he suggested. I had been given a little paperback edition of St. John's Gospel, and I read it. If I'm honest, I found it a bit baffling. I could see that the story that it told was mysterious. I could see that it was profoundly mystical. But a lot of it seemed to be in riddles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What on earth was all that about? And that was just the opening sentence. In general, I have to admit, I've always found St. Mark's Gospel, with its grit and realism and hard edges and failure to provide any easy answers, speaks to me rather more directly. But then, one day, I heard someone use an image in relation to John's Gospel, which for me suddenly made sense. And it was this. Imagine for a moment that you have never before experienced stained glass windows, and you've been told to go and visit a church that was famous for them. If you were to walk around the outside of that church in daylight, looking at those windows, all you would see would be dark, murky glass. And if that was all that you did, you would remain both baffled and disappointed, and doubtless wonder what all the fuss was about. Because to see wonderful stained glass windows in their full splendor, to understand their glory, and their beauty, to appreciate what they are really about, you have to commit to enter the building so that you can see them from the inside. Do that, and something that from the outside looked opaque and meaningless suddenly springs into life. And for me, when I tried inhabiting John's Gospel, and somehow simply let it wash over me, rather than trying to work out what on earth it all meant, line by line. When I tried to experience it, rather than understand it, suddenly it began to come alive for me. I had to learn to do it from the inside, rather than walk round the outside, feeling that it was closed and baffling to me. And at last, I started to understand. We owe so much to St. John for the vision and the sweep of the gospel that bears his name. 
our understanding of the message of the New Testament, our understanding of the meaning and significance of Christ would be woefully incomplete without it. I still do not always find it an easy gospel, but sometimes simply to immerse myself in its extraordinary language and its powerful imagery, to allow myself to get caught up in the mystery and the mysticism of it all is enough because that in itself brings me and countless others closer to the living God and closer to the Christ to whom John the Apostle and Evangelist dedicated his life. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Loving God, we come before you this morning in praise and thanksgiving for all that you have done for us and to pray for our world. At this holy time of Christmas, we give thanks for your church across the world. We pray for people of all faiths, that you may strengthen our efforts to work together, that others may get to know you and feel the power of your love in their lives. We pray for Justin, our Archbishop, Sarah, our Bishop, and all who lead the Church in England, that they may have the strength and wisdom to guide us all through this difficult time. We pray for our own Church. We give thanks especially for Alison, our Rector, Jeff, our Associate Priest, and all who make worship here and online possible. We give thanks for their loving care and support, their leadership and inspiration, to bring your word to life here at St Bride's and in our lives at home. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. We pray for all our world leaders, 
the Queen and all her family, our Prime Minister and our Government, and all who are in positions of authority. We pray that you will give them the insight, wisdom and empathy to lead us and that they will make decisions that will benefit all your people. We pray for those on the front line in our hospitals and nursing homes who are working to overcome the virus and take care of those who are sick and dying, that they may have the courage to carry on and that they may know your peace, strength and love. We pray for ourselves too this Christmas time, those at home, locked down, lonely and missing family and friends, that they will soon be able to be together again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Father, as we prepare to mark the end of 2020 and welcome the new year, we pray that you will give us the strength to start afresh, the courage to embrace the new year and all the challenges that will lie before us, and the resilience to bear its disappointments and the energy to seize its opportunities. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our our prayer. Be by the side of and comfort all those in pain, those who are facing the challenge of illness and the loved ones that face it with them. Give them and all who are ill the strength and faith to face each day and by the power of the Holy Spirit grant that they may return to good health as quickly as possible. Let us remember all those that have died and have now joined you in heaven. We pray that they will all find peace with you and that you will comfort those who are left behind. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our our prayer. Finally, we take time to remember in silence all those known only to us who need your support and love. Merciful Father, accept Accept these prayers prayers for for the the sake sake of of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? May the God of peace sanctify you. May he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before him at the coming of our Lord Jesus with his saints. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks that your glory is revealed in John, Apostle and Evangelist, and in all the saints. In their lives you have given us an example of faithfulness to Christ. In their holiness we find encouragement and hope. In our communion with them we share the unity of your kingdom. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us.
Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we pray, that the Word made flesh, proclaimed by your Apostle John, may, by the celebration of these holy mysteries, ever abide and live within us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
God give you grace to follow his saints in faith and hope and love. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.